with uh, Flor Maria Garcia, who is the new head of uh, the Metropolitan Atlanta Arts and Culture Coalition. Did I get that right? Yep, you got it. And this is the new edition of Delayed Live from Med City. We're just going to have a little conversation here with Flor Maria. Kind of get a feeling about, you've been in town for how long now? How I think months? I've been in town for about three and a half months now. Mm, so that's enough time to either want to get the hell out <laughs> or say I like it. I want really to really get into trouble or, or <laughs> I really not. get into trouble, right. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll play nice. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to, you know, occasionally I might try to push the boundary a little bit, but I'm going to try to play nice. Um, and you were at, in Houston before that. No, I was or, in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Texas and, before that, running oh, the Arts Council. Right. I was there for uh, seven years. Before that, I was running the State Arts Council in Missouri. Mm. And before that, oh, I, I was that. in Houston, Texas for about, I don't know, close to 15 years on and off within mm -hmm. the Arts Council, but doing lots of different jobs mm -hmm. within the same agency, mm -hmm. so. And so are you from Texas originally, or? No, is I'm from Cuban. Oh, Cuban, ah, oh, And okay. I emigrated with my family from Cuba when I was seven years old. We landed ah. in Miami as a result of the communist regime by Castro. Uh, yeah. And so we landed in Miami, and um, I lived there for about a year, started school there, mm -hmm. and then, um, lived up the East Coast, Virginia, New Jersey. My dad worked in New York City, mm. went to college in the Midwest in Indiana, and then had my first job in, in mm. Texas. But I've lived I've lived in a lot of places. Mm. So I guess you're very interested in the new, uh, we won't dwell on this, but the new the regime, developments the in change. Cuba, right? Raul. Now Raul, the, his brother, I think it's more of the same. Uh, yeah, probably. So. Um, mm -hmm. Except that I think from what I've heard, he is more open to economic development. So it may be a little bit mm -hmm. of interest in doing some, mm -hmm. some economic development types of initiatives, mm -hmm. opening up the island, um, right. but we'll see. Um, I guess my first question, well, I actually already asked the first question. The second question would be, what, uh, have you been aware of the Atlanta arts community or had uh, your other duties mostly taken up all of your interest and time, I'm sure? Uh, well, I'm, I uh, have served as vice president of the Urban Arts Federation for a number of years, which is a national group uh, okay. of the 60 largest cities in the country. And I knew Harriet Sanford when she oh, ran yes. mm -hmm. the Fulton County Arts mm -hmm. Council many years ago. And she mm -hmm. and I served on the, the Board of Americans for the Arts together oh, okay. for a while. And that's how I knew Atlanta from Harriet and Michael Lomax, the commissioner, sure, sure, and yeah. strong agency at that time. And mm -hmm. then Camille Love joined Urban Arts Federation, I think a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and that's how I started hearing more. There'd mm -hmm. been a gap between Harriet Sanford and Camille a number of mm -hmm. years, and then I started hearing again about Atlanta, but really my, I had, Atlanta was not on my radar screen. Mm -hmm. I think it's not on uh, a lot of people's radar screen when it comes to art, and what you think of as the creative class, as again, as Richard Florida yeah. used it before, has talked about uh, for some reason. Uh, you know, and, and frankly, uh, the whole controversy over the Buckhead Library thing is indicative yeah. of why Atlanta has such a bad reputation. Uh, I'm Except sure. that, that the Buckhead Library lives thanks it, to public involvement. Yes, uh, it lives. I, I was just talking to someone who's at the AJC and they're going to continue to do stories on it because 
uh, like her and myself, I think that that's going to be an ongoing battle. Really? <laughs> that's, yeah, because have you been down to the area and seen the, the I whole? haven't seen the library. I want to get down there and take a look at well, it. Well, you should see the area that it's in. I think you'll see why that is going to be ongoing. Uh, you know, I frankly, I think they will wait for a while until the public fear dies down. And, you know, there may there may be some accident with a substructure when the other building goes up, you know, because there's a huge building going up right in front of it. I really don't think that that battle is over. I think it's just been it's, it's been it's won for now, possible. which is good. Yeah. But you know, an interesting solution is what's happening in on Ponce Highland with the historic Victorian home. Yes, mm -hmm. that where the developers the building yeah. around it mm -hmm. and and SCAD Atlanta mm -hmm. is saving the house mm -hmm. and it's going to be an art space. That's a pretty I unique think that's great. Yeah. solution. Yeah. So. You never know. Yeah, I, I think there are lots of creative possibilities that people in Atlanta could. Well, this is a developer utilize. that that is commissioning significant public art. Mm -hmm. If if this developer would look at the Buckhead mm -hmm. Library like a major piece of sculpture mm -hmm. and build is, his development really. around it, it could be yeah. a central exactly. open space with yeah. this mega mm -hmm. sculpture that's really a building mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. could be a real enhancement to yeah. his concept. So. Well, you know, I've made a decision to stay in Atlanta, although sometimes I regret that decision. <laughs> I was just telling somebody recently, I want to move to Albuquerque, you get as far away as possible, you know, from Atlanta when I get very frustrated. But, uh, you know, my relatives are here, my mother is here, uh, so probably not going to happen. But there's uh, that leads to my, my question, which I'm always probing like a sore tooth in all these podcasts, is... Um, and I, I never know quite whether it's my perception of things or whether it's actually something about Atlanta, but there seems to be something wrong in Atlanta, in the air, where it comes to artistic <laughs> production, you know? I call it a malaise. I call it the Atlanta the malaise. malaise. And I've, it's, I don't, I said to somebody uh, a couple of years ago who I've known for a long time and was back in the old Atlanta when uh, Maynard Jackson was around and there were all these initiatives. And I said, you know, uh, with the, with the uh, blinders of iDrum, where we get a lot of people through, a lot of kids, and it seems like a very vital space. I said, you know, Atlanta seems like a much better place than it used to be 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, Kevin said, nah, I don't really think so. And then he named off all the places, yeah. the grassroots kind of places that had that were around and doing interesting stuff. Uh, maybe not of a permanent artistic mark, but at least we're doing things on a grassroots level. And um, I was looking around thinking, well, there's not really a whole lot of stuff going on at that sort of level. Everything is becoming very institutionalized. So mm -hmm. I guess my, my, what's your feeling about that from being in Texas, you know, uh, could you characterize yeah. what those experiences were like yes. in Missouri and then what yes. your feeling is in Atlanta? I know, I know you have a, a, a politesse about, uh, <laughs> about politesse. being. Politesse, <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, it's very interesting because um, every city is really very different, and and I've I've lived in three different big cities in Texas. Mm -hmm. I've lived in Houston, I lived in Dallas, mm -hmm. and I lived in Fort Worth. And the personalities of each of those cities are completely, completely yeah, yeah. different. And then I lived in St. Louis in Missouri, and that was really different um, from anything else. And and I felt that. Uh, in the Midwest, there was a sense of not really evolving and getting anything done. In fact, the Missouri Arts Council was a grant-making institution. Mm -hmm. And I remember a, a discussion in one of our grant panels, in the liter literary panel, there's a lot of literature going on in Missouri, a lot of um, 
hmm. publications by writers and artists, and the panel sat around saying, where's the innovation? Mm -hmm. This is all boring. You know, we're looking at all these grants. Where's the innovation? And I thought it was an, an inter interesting question. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought a lot about what engenders in innovation. Mm -hmm. And we created, as a result of that conversation, we created a grants program called New Works, New Opportunities, mm -hmm. where we would give money to organizations, um, and the concept was something you've always wanted to do but never ha have had the money to do that's new and interesting. Mm. So come and apply. And the application was really simple. It was a two-page application. Des describe your idea on how much it's going to cost. I love it. Yeah. And what impact is it going to have on the community? It's like the Warhol uh, Foundation yes. folks. So we wanted to make it easy, and I was really disappointed in mm. the applications that we mm. got. And, and it surprised me and it made me depressed about being in the Midwest thinking here we've given the arts community an opportunity, we've put money, serious mm -hmm. money behind yeah. it, and they're still not coming up with mm -hmm. the new and innovative. And, and so I, I was in misery for years and then I left because I felt that it was not a place that um, where people wanted to be creative and push the envelope, which is what I'm interested in. Um, and, and, and the motto was, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so yeah. that was not a place that I was not a good fit with that place. You may be interested in the public domain's motto for a long time, that is where this podcast will, will reside, is if it ain't broke, hit it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been attempting to hit it with a hammer ever since. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you that I loved living in Houston because Houston reminds me of Atlanta um, in that it was a place where there was no, uh, you know, if you, you were new there, mm -hmm. if you were good at something, you could make it happen. Mm -hmm. and, and there was no, we've always, there, there, there wasn't the attitude, we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. Th this is how you do things. Mm -hmm. It was wide open. And I got to Houston in the 80s where there was the oil boom and there was a lot of churning and activity going right. on and anything was possible. And, and I like to feel that, that the work that I did in Houston helped evolve the arts community and in particular what was going on with individual artists. We had six artist spaces when I, I left, mm. like mm -hmm, iDrum, mm -hmm. um, and at all levels of budgets. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it really was a place that was dynamic. If there was a, an, an open space artists would get into it and do an installation and then, you know, mm -hmm. let people mm -hmm. know what was going on and people would show up. A couple of years ago, I was in Houston, there were huge, huge studio tours that had mm. started when I was there and this was like crowds of people in buses taking mm. interested people, non-arts people, to visit mm -hmm. artist studios and artists talking mm -hmm. about their works. Mm -hmm. Public art, we started a public art program there, 1.75% public art. There were also um, initiatives where artists would put up temporary public art mm. pieces out in public spaces and it was pretty much done by by artists it was mm. not it was not it, nobody controlled it other than an artist group doing that in the city allowing it to happen and the, the pieces could be up for three months and then they would be taken down. We used to have exhibits along the bayou, temporary mm -hmm. art exhibits along the bayou yes. and you drove by there and you could see public mm -hmm. art all over the place and a lot of times, you know, some shocking, interesting things. Mm -hmm. But it was very, it was very dynamic and exciting and, and uh, 
Um, and then I got, so I went from Houston to Missouri, and that's why it was difficult for me in Missouri, because it was not a dynamic mm -hmm. and exciting yeah. place. And, and even though we tried to make it that, it, it just wasn't. That, that's not what that community was about. So I got recruited to Fort Worth. Fort Worth was different. Fort Worth was more sort of civilized mm. and established. Museum sort of. Very museum oriented. Mm. And, and, and I enjoyed working in Fort Worth because there was a collective vision in the community and the leadership to get things done. And mm -hmm. if you provided them with guidance and how to do it, good mm -hmm. idea, they would help make it happen. We passed a 2% for art ordinance in Fort Worth Sounds within good. about a year of my being there. Wow. That's fast. And then Frisco, a small town, invited me to come talk to them about public art. And that night, after I spoke to them about public art and how it happened, the mayor and city council passed a 2% for art. Mm. So in some places, things happen really quickly. And, um, and so we did, we did public art in, in Fort Worth fairly quickly. And one of the nice things about that ordinance was that in addition to 2% of bond money, mm -hmm. they allocated 2% of water capital construction wow. money, which was close to a, an extra million dollars a year of flexible money mm -hmm. so that you could do, you can mm -hmm. do temporary public art, you mm -hmm. can do education, mm -hmm. you can do conservation, and you can target monies to where no city construction mm -hmm. is going on and so it well you know of course Atlanta there's been some controversy over Atlanta's percent for art which is, I right. think was one and a half percent it's 1.5 percent and um, I you know I and there is a push uh, to to make that happen I haven't heard too much about it lately but uh, the lawsuit and things like that and I don't know you know you probably have more behind the scenes kind of knowledge about it but do you think Atlanta uh, we'll be able to enact something like that, given the, the apparent money crunch that Atlanta, Mayor Franklin, has said that well, we've got millions of dollars. That the public we art money comes out of it comes out of bond money. Mm -hmm. Bond money comes so out of the, capital construction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, the only thing that could happen is that there might be less. Mm -hmm. The city may be building less mm -hmm. buildings or roadways or, mm -hmm. or facilities, but the money will always be mm -hmm. there with a 1.5 percent. Our ordinance in in Fort Worth, which is a town about the size of Atlanta, the really? city of Atlanta, no, five hundred thousand people. We passed the two percent for art ordinance in two thousand and two. When I left um, Fort Worth this last year, we calculated that our public art program had generated fifteen million dollars in wow. commissions. Wow, that's great. That's a lot of money. On top of that. The other thing that the city realized, and I think our staff did a really good job of mm -hmm. educating the community about mm -hmm. the value of public art and the visual enhancement mm -hmm. that impactful public art projects mm -hmm. could have on a community. And the city then uh, and, and community leader, leadership groups started coming to our program saying, we'd like to do public art beyond the bond money amount available um, because we think it's a good thing for the city. So mm -hmm. we had the city um, work with us to design major a major lighting project down the center of a boulevard. We had we commissioned Cliff Garden from um, Venice, California, mm -hmm. to do these mm -hmm. giant 60-foot light towers wow. that look like 
Texas tornadoes wow. that glowed from cool. within. Yeah. And it was a visual draw to mm -hmm. this beautiful boulevard that we, was being created north of downtown. The city found an extra million dollars mm. to make that project happen beyond the bond money allocation because our citizen leadership group for that project felt it was important to commission mm. artists to do impactful mm. work. Well, do, uh, what do you think is the problem with Atlanta, that there seems not to be, uh, is it because there have not, there's not been enough interest on artists and, and with artists and citizens groups to push for it, or a lack of interest in the city to make this happen, or, you know, for a while the whole talk was about the, the, the sewage, you know, a big project and there would be no money because of that. Um, so what's your gut feeling about all, all of those? Robert, and maybe it's a combination of both. I mean, it, it, I haven't been here long enough to really be mm -hmm. able to, to figure that one out. But I, I can tell you from my experience in, in what we did in Fort Worth and what we did in Houston, mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time laying the groundwork to to prepare the community for what public art was about and to inspire the mm -hmm. community and our leadership, showing them images from major projects in other cities mm -hmm. that it wasn't just you know a plop art piece right. of sculpture in exactly. the center of a plaza. It right. was integrating the arts into the infrastructure and having a huge influence using art and artists on the visual quality of, of a place. So we spent a lot of time educating, informing, showing imagery, and really inspiring the community mm -hmm. to what was possible. And, and it was, and we worked with our elected officials, we worked with our Chamber of Commerce, we worked with our Convention and Visitors mm -hmm. Bureau to go out beyond the artist community about what public art could do for how a city looked, how mm -hmm. public spaces could look. And it began to really inspire our leadership to incorporate public art into major components of what they were doing. In fact, even before we had, we passed the 2% for art ordinance, the, the mayor approached me and we were building an addition to the convention center and the mayor said, I set aside 1% of the cost of the convention center for commissioning mm. public art. We had half a million dollars and mm. we commissioned two, two major pieces yeah. of public art even before the ordinance mm -hmm. was passed. And, and the public art has gotten a lot of airplay. You know, people see it, lots of press about the impactful projects. Right. So it's really about inspiring your community and educating your, your business and civic leadership about, about the value and impact of public art and how it should be a component of everything, every development project like the Peachtree Corridor exactly. is perfect for, for public art, artists designing street lights, street furniture, sidewalk, yes, being yes. involved in the planning process, just like artists are involved exactly. in the Beltline. Well, that raises another question with me. Um, as regards developers and builders, yes. I guess developers and builders are the same every place. I don't know, but that's the question to you is, uh, I, you've probably had meetings with developers and builders in Atlanta. Do they seem savvy about the relationship between that sort of ground level creativity and uh, accessibility and hospitable, hospitableness? Um, and their own work and their own putting up buildings, or is, are they? I'm, I'm intend, you know, I'm inclined to say they have no idea whatsoever after this uh, Buckhead Library thing and some of the comments that well, I read in the paper about some of these. I'll tell you, we seem very um, ignorant. Really. I am, I am in the process of 
beginning meetings with developers because mm -hmm. I'm very interested in a private percent for art mm -hmm. in, in Atlanta okay. beyond the public Right. percent for art because of all the development that's mm -hmm. going on and it's very timely that there is this terrific article in the yes, latest exactly. Peach magazine about public art in private development and which that's the March issue is it's, that it's, or? it's the the latest issue with the girl in the green dress on the cover and it is February 2008. February 2008. So, um, and this does talk about a couple of developments that have commissioned significant works of public art as part of the attraction to people to private developers' projects. It's kind of like a great marketing tool mm -hmm. for developers. And I will tell you, we, we also worked in Fort Worth with the, the international airport, Dallas-Fort Worth mm -hmm. Airport, who came to us and said they wanted, they were interested in, in us helping them do a, a Percent for Art program within the airport mm -hmm. because they had researched airports around the country and they thought public art would give them a competitive edge mm. from a marketing standpoint to make right. the DFW International Airport attractive to travelers. Mm. And they thought it was competitive to get people to come to Dallas as, as con right. a connecting airport because they thought it would make it more interesting. Mm. And there's and a huge so, new expansion of the Atlanta International That's right. Airport. And there's a great opportunity because the Atlanta mm -hmm. Airport has a 1.5, 1, 1 for art program already in place. Ooh, so there is a good. lot of potential yeah. there. The DFW Airport, in the development of the new international terminal, spent $6 million in its first year on public art right. commissions. Wow. Uh, let's take a short break here, and uh, we'd like to divide these up into two segments, make it easier to download, and then we'll come back. And I have another, I have a question when we come back from the break, um, which I, it's a difficult one to ask and maybe difficult to respond to, and maybe I'm just crazy, but I've talked to other people, so I'm not, I'm not entirely crazy about the, <laughs> the Atlanta arts. Let's take a break, we'll come right back.